Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Intuitive Transformations with your host, Sylvia Henderson, and discover tools, wisdom, and inspiration that will empower you to transform your life. Sylvia is an intuitive life coach and energy healer with a growing practice that is focused on empowering others to be more of who they want to be. For the next hour, join Sylvia and explore and unravel anything in the way of you creating the life that you would love to live on the Ohm Times Radio Network. Well, hello and welcome to the Intuitive Transformations radio show, where you will find tools you can use to change and transform your life every Wednesday afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern on the Ohm Times radio network, the voice of consciousness at ohmtimes.com. This is Sylvia Henderson, your host, and if you would like to learn more about me and the work that I do, please feel free to visit my website at intuitivetransformations.net. That's intuitivetransformations.net. Today is Wednesday, March 28, 2018. Just a few days ago, the March for Our Lives took place in Washington, D.C., as well as in over 800 other locations throughout the United States and in many other countries around the world. March for Our Lives was a collaboration of student organizers from Never Again, MSD, a student-led gun control organization that advocates for tighter regulations to prevent gun violence and also Every Town for Gun Safety, which is a gun safety advocacy group also advocating for tighter gun regulations. You know, the fact that we have children and very young adults being put into a position where they have to protest and advocate for the right to live free from the fear of being gunned down in their classrooms is really unconscionable. I cannot imagine what they are going through. When I was in high school, my biggest concern was my grade point average. Yet today, elementary school children through high school in the United States regularly practice what they should do in the event that someone they know or an intruder might one day come into their classrooms and start firing a gun at them and their teachers and one of their friends. When you pause for a moment and really consider this, it's heartbreaking. And yet with that said, what these young people have done and what they are doing is really awe-inspiring. The speeches that they delivered were pure, authentic, and heart-opening. While it is outrageous that our children are being forced to fight for the right to feel safe in their communities and in their classrooms, the fact that they have not allowed fear to crumble them into powerlessness, 
but rather have gathered together their voices, their resources, and have pretty much on their own pushed forward to declare that change will happen is amazing. That they will no longer allow another life lost due to complacency on our current, of our current society, again, awe-inspiring. These children are really amazing. They're intelligent, articulate, and brave, and they give me hope for America and also for the world because these young voices are not going to be silenced and they are the future voters of the United States. So watch out world, a change is going to come and it's much, much closer than we could ever have imagined. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was a child that led the way. We are certainly living in interesting times as consciousness continues to expand and it has been challenging at times especially as we seem to teeter totter between a combination of endless tragedy and some hopefulness all at the same time. I look forward to the day when everything finally settles down and finds its way into peace. But until then, I encourage you to keep your thoughts as hopeful as possible. Think of these young, brave children and how inspiring they are, how fearless they are. Focus on what you would like to experience in the world and in, in, in your life instead of what you are most afraid of. Stay hopeful and know that light will always outshine darkness. And if you have children of your own, start having open and honest conversations with them. You may be surprised by your child's level of maturity when you allow yourself to listen to your child with a patient and open heart, really allowing them to feel that they are being heard. One of the greatest gifts that you can give to another human being is allowing them to share their world with you openly and honestly and have what they share be received without judgment and with warmth and love. Just like adults, when a child knows that they have been heard, they feel nurtured, they feel valuable and they feel loved. And that is a priceless gift that your child will forever be grateful to have received from you. As a mother myself, I know that it is difficult to slow down and take the time to do what I'm asking. But when you do have time, don't let it slip away. Just think about that. So today we're going to talk about emotional eating some of the underlying causes of emotional eating, how your childhood may be a major contributor to whether or not you eat purely for pleasure or only when you're hungry. Joining me on today's show is Julie M. Simon, a licensed psychotherapist and life coach with more than 27 years of experience helping overeaters stop dieting, heal their relationship with themselves and their bodies, lose excess weight, and actually keep it off. She is the author of The Emotional Eater's Repair Manual, a practical mind-body-spirit guide for putting an end to overeating and dieting, and her brand new book, When Food is Comfort, Nurture Yourself Mindfully, Rewire Your Brain, and End Emotional Eating. Julie Simon founded the popular Los Angeles-based and online 
12-week emotional eating recovery program and offers workshops at venues such as Whole Foods and UCLA. Julie Simon, welcome to the Intuitive Transformations radio show. Hi there. Thank you for having me. Well, it's definitely a pleasure, and I'm excited to talk about this topic because it is something that affects so many women as well as men. And emotional eating is something that you sit around at a table with your girlfriends and everyone can relate. And, you know, the fact that it does lead to gain weight and uh, to weight gain and even more serious eating disorders really makes it an important thing to look at. Um, you know, so dieting and weight loss has become a 60 billion, I'm sorry, a $60 billion a year industry. That's amazing. Yet with the myriad of options available for people to choose from to either lose or manage their weight, we still have an obesity problem here in the United States and also other places in the world. You point out that two thirds of the adults living in the U.S. are overweight and that 80 million Americas, Americans are regular dieters. Why do we eat when we are not hungry? And why do we continue to eat even after we feel full? Well, you know, those are such good questions. And overeating, uh, over the, the behavior of overeating is actually quite complex. It seems like it's a simple behavior, you know, we're just putting food in our mouth. Uh, but it's actually quite complex, and its resolution requires a comprehensive, multidimensional approach. So we have to look at the mind, the body, and the spirit, and put to, pull together all the pieces of the overeating puzzle. Um, one of those pieces is emotional eating, which we'll talk more about. But before that, I just want to say that um, unfortunately, most dieters, <clears throat> research shows that most dieters regain their weight, 95% regain their weight within two years uh, of any diet program, and 98% uh, regain it within five years. And the reason is because most diet and weight loss programs and books offer quick advice, diet tips, limited guidance, uh, eating plan and an exercise regimen usually, and they're basically attempting to apply external solutions to internal problems, focusing exclusively, like I said, on the eating plans and the exercise regimens. And it's, I like to equate it with, you know, if, if your car won't start, uh, you know, polishing the wheels and painting your car isn't going to get your car started. You have to pop the hood, which is actually one of the first skills in my book, my new book, you have to pop the hood and look underneath the hood and diagnose the problem. So that's what we do in both my first and my second book. Um, we're going deeper. We're taking a deep dive into the mind, body, and spirit um, imbalances that underlie uh, our turning to food. So what are some of the mind, body um spirit imbalances, because I know I grew up in a home where food was a social experience uh, with family and friends. And um, not only that, food was deliciously prepared because my stepmother was a Beverly Hills caterer and my father was a professional cook. So as a child, my experience with food was that it was always very flavorful and it was always a pleasurable social experience. Um, but with that said, as an adult, 
I don't eat just for um, the physicality, to support my physical body. I really do eat because I love food um, or I get obsessed with it when I'm not eating. Sometimes I'm thinking about what am I going to eat at my next meal, you know, that would be really yummy and um, or I'm distracted or, or um, I want to be distracted, I should say, or I'm bored or I'm stressed out. So what is the mind, body, spirit equation have to do with with these scenarios that many women and men deal with when it comes to emotional eating? Well, it's so interesting because if you if you just ask yourself the question, um, why do I have trouble regulating my behavior, right? So if you say, I want to uh, be slimmer or I want my health to be better because certainly not all emotional eaters have a weight problem. It might not be about weight at all. It might be that your health is suffering. So if for some reason you're picking up my books because you're saying <clears throat> I am an emotional eater and what what's motivating me is that I want to lose some weight or what's motivating me is that I just got a, a diagnosis from the doctor, <clears throat> let's say that I'm pre-diabetic or something, you have to stop and ask yourself, why are you not able to reach your goals? So the majority of people I work with know what healthy foods are, okay? And in my first book, I still have a chapter on eating foods consistent with your human design. So I kind of educate people about nutrient-dense foods. But most people know what we need to eat, and most people know what is not healthy, okay? So, and if you don't know what to eat and you don't know what is healthy, there's plenty of uh uh, eating plans out there that one could follow, and, and I know it is confusing ultimately, but but basically what all the diet gurus agree on is that highly processed foods are not our natural diet, and a diet excessive in animal foods of animal origin is probably not all that natural, and lots of people say that dairy isn't so great for us. So let's say you kind of have an idea of what is healthy for you. The problem comes up when you cannot regulate your behavior, okay? And so you say, gee, I know what I want to eat, and I I go out to the restaurant, and I think a salad would be healthy for me, and then I order that, you know, bacon burger uh, rather than the salad plus the fries, and then I have a, a shake with Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power. Loyalty. And luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Why do I keep doing this? Why am I not doing what I know I should do? So 
something's amiss in your re- terms of your relationship with yourself and your ability to regulate your behaviors. Generally, when people cannot consistently regulate their behaviors, there's, they're missing some skills, and these skills are generally learned in childhood, some self-care skills, like the ability to identify and track and move through unpleasant emotional states, like you said before, stress, or low arousal states like boredom and apathy, um, move through unpleasant emotional states, anxiety, sadness, loneliness, overwhelm, missing the ability to comfort and soothe themselves, missing the ability to reframe negative, critical, self-defeating thoughts, self-doubts, and regulate their nervous system. Okay? So if we're missing those skills, maybe we're missing the skills to grieve losses and disappointments that we've experienced. Uh, Maybe we're unable to uh, talk to ourselves in a way that's loving and kind and have self-acceptance and unconditional self-love. So we may be missing a lot of skills generally learned in childhood, and we don't even know that we're missing them, right? We're just turning to food. We found a way to regulate our nervous system you know, with but we don't know necessarily that we're missing them. So my books teach you what those skills are that you're missing. And in the second book, I help you understand how your brain got wired probably early on and how you can, through a series of skills that I teach a mindfulness practice, how you can rewire your brain so that you're not turning to food or other substances or behaviors you know, to regulate emotions, rev you up, calm you down, activate yourself. Does that make sense? Well, it it absolutely does make sense, especially when I was reading through the pages and you were talking about um, early childhood traumas and um, the stresses of uh, having a childhood where you're not allowed to cry or express your emotions and you tend to shut those things down. I, I really do want to talk about in further detail how our brains get wired during childhood after we return from the break. So we'll Great. be back in just a few moments, everyone. And when we return, more of Julie Simon talking about her new book, When Food is Comfort. Nurture yourself mindfully, rewire your brain, and end emotional eating. Stay tuned for more. We'll be back in just a moment. The future of Internet radio is here. Om Times Radio. IOM FM. Ascending Hearts is no ordinary dating site, but a spiritual dating site with a purpose to link you with your soulmate. We engineer the serendipity so you can trust that you will attune with someone that has the same matching vibration as you. Ascending Hearts, the conscious dating site for the spiritually aware. Try Ascending Hearts for free, ascendinghearts.com. Hello, I'm Sandy Sedgbeer, host of Om Times Magazine's flagship radio show, What Is Going On? My passion is sifting through information, research, and innovations from new thought teachers, speakers, and researchers pushing back the boundaries of what we know about life, energy, metaphysics, and the universe. 
I love shifting perceptions about who we are, why we're here, and how quickly impossible becomes normal when we open our minds, expand our awareness, and accept that the only limits that exist are those we place upon ourselves. So if you're the kind of forward-thinking, eager investigator of what lies beyond the current reality that most perceive, why not make a date to come play with me in the field of possibilities at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time every Thursday, and together we can discover what's really going on. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I was sensitive to lights and sounds, so I built secret hiding places where they couldn't get in. Sometimes, I do the same things over and over, until one day, I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Welcome back. This is Sylvia Henderson with the Intuitive Transformations radio show on OMTimes.com. And I have with me today my guest, if you're just joining me, Julie Simon. And she is the author of When Food is Comfort. <coughs> Excuse me. So, Julie, before we went to the break, um, you were just about to talk about, <coughs> sorry, something went down my throat the wrong way, um, how the brain gets wired especially during early childhood, or during childhood, I should say. Yes. Well, you know, what we know now from uh, years of neuroscience is that the brain is formed, uh, you know, gets wired. Uh, well, actually, the brain is uh, still wiring and growing and changing throughout life. But a critical time period for brain development, uh, the wiring of the brain and the chemistry of the brain, so the structure and chemistry of the brain is in infancy and early childhood. And part of the way the brain lays down connections is through the uh, what we call attunement that we get from our caregivers. So when mommy, daddy, grandparents really attune to, what is attunement? Tune in to the inner world of the infant and the small child, there are, you know, thousands of interactions that uh, caregivers have with their child throughout a day, throughout a week, and the caregiver is basically regulating the infant and, and small child's uh, nervous system and wiring their brain. So when the baby starts to cry and scream and has tension and doesn't even have any words for emotions yet, mommy swoops in and uses her voice and her eyes and her touch to regulate the baby. And as the baby grows into a toddler, mommy is, again, using her words and her touch and her voice. And the baby's brain is being wired, and the voice is being wired in, if you will, into the baby's brain about the world being safe and uh, there being comfort and soothing. And the baby, if, if the caregivers are very nurturing, if the, the nurturance from the caregivers is consistent, and sufficient and well-attuned, empathic, kind, caring, respectful, uh, the baby's brain is going to wire uh, integrative structures between the emotional brain, that's when the baby goes, ah! and the self-regulation structures of the brain, which are the upstairs, top, top part of the brain, the cortex. So those 
fibers are going to get wired in. And also the chemistry of the brain is developing too. So our brain's ability to produce dopamine and serotonin, all those feel-good chemicals, endorphins, all of that is happening via external attunement from our caregivers. All that's getting laid down. And so if we don't get sufficient and consistent external attunement and nurturance from our caregivers when we're small, we are not going, our brain is not going to get wired properly. And research is showing that almost every addiction you can think of um, stems from this lack of early, consistent, and sufficient nurturance. And I say in my book that I'm never attempting to blame caregivers, um, you know, because I even have a chapter in the new book that says, yes, but I have great parents, because I, I can hear people when I say this saying, how can that be? You know, my parents were loving and kind and caring. Even kind, caring, loving caregivers can nurture you in a way that isn't properly wiring your brain because they themselves were missing skills. So, for example, if you're a small child or even, a, let's say, a young child and you come you know, back from school and you say, you know, those girls were all mean to me and nobody wanted to sit with me at the, the lunch table, and rather than your parent being well-attuned and saying something comforting, I'm so sorry that that happened, um, tell me what you're feeling about that, or tell me your feelings, tell me your thoughts about that. Maybe the parent says, well, wasn't there another table you could sit at? Weren't there other girls you could go sit with? Or, God forbid, your parent says, what's wrong with you? You know, why didn't they like you? Um, but let's say a well-meaning parent says, well, wasn't there another table that you could go to? And the kid says, no, you know, I wanted to be with these girls, and they didn't want to be with me. And then maybe the parent says, I'm sorry that happened, why don't we go out today and and um, see a, your favorite movie, or let's let's go get an ice cream? And so the parent tries to comfort you and soothe you with an external source because she doesn't really know how. She doesn't know what else to say. She doesn't know how to comfort you any further. Doesn't know how to guide you. Maybe her parents weren't so great at that. So even well-intentioned parents can miss the mark in terms of comforting and soothing their children, and this is a time when the brain is laying down its tracks, if you will, and develop, building its chemistry, uh, and so these are very critical times. The great news is that the brain is a plastic or moldable organ, and so at any point in our journey, it's never too late to rewire our brain, so we can learn how to do a form of internal attunement. So even though you know, the bad news is we can't go re back and redo our childhood or how our brain developed, and we probably can't get that level of external attunement in our adult lives now because all the adults we know are busy and they're not going to stop and rewire our brain. Uh, we can do it ourselves, and that's the great news. We can do it ourselves. We can also be in therapy a little bit and get some help there. We can rewire our brain by practicing mindfulness, and that's what the new book is all about, a seven-skill mindfulness practice that will help you pop the hood, connect to yourself in a very nurturing, kind, loving way, and rewire your brain so that you no longer are turning to food or other substances or activities for comfort and for you to find that your source of comfort is inside. 
That is such an important life skill to learn anyway. I mean, when you look at our society with the massive consumerism that we have, that everyone's, it's all an external reward system, really. Um, you know, it seems like uh, it goes well beyond just using food as a reward system. Um, it's so true. So, I think about that all the time. <laughs> yeah, yes, you know, it's, it's wow. So I mean, true. You see people wanting to get that bigger house, you know, and well, if, I, if we just had one more child or if we got the bigger house or if I could just get my weight off or if we could just go get another vacation. It's always something outside of ourselves that's going to make us happy and fill us up, and it's um, it's a sign that something's missing. Well, and it's it's kind of unfortunate, too, because there's no way to satiate that when it's always looking for something else outside of yourself. That That's never going to really be fulfilled. And so you offer um, what you call... It's a nurturing. It's inner nurturing. Is that yes, what it's called? It's called I'm sorry. Inner nurturing. Inner nurturing. And so you develop this inner nurturer within yourself. And that can then take the place of this outward seeking for a reward. And how does that work? I mean, it sounds delightful. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, but. Um, can you talk about that? Yes. Well, as I said, when our caregivers are nurturing us and they're providing sufficient and consistent nurturance so that our brain is getting wired, we're also wiring in voices. And so the voices that you hear, you know, most of us can hear our mother's voice, you know, saying certain things. Maybe we're going to spend money and we hear our mother's voice saying, you don't need that or you're overspending. So those voices get wired in uh, early in our lives. And if we've had that wonderful, delicious nurturance, then we've... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Probably wired in an inner supportive voice that's capable of comforting and soothing us and helping us regulate our behaviors and uh, meet our needs. Most emotional eaters, I would say the majority, I've been doing this for nearly 30 years, and the majority of emotional eaters do not have a well-developed inner supportive voice. That's what I have seen over all the years. This is why I created uh, the inner nurturing uh, mindfulness practice, because I could see that what most emotional eaters have is a very strong inner critic voice. That's a voice that beats them up, tells them, 
it's not enough. That voice might be harsh or not so harsh, but that's a voice that says you're never thin enough, you're never pretty enough, uh, you never have enough, you haven't achieved enough, you know, why haven't you written more books? You know, that's a voice of the inner critic. <clears throat> Most emotional eaters also have a well-developed, what I call, inner indulger voice. And that's a voice that says, yeah, you know, we had a really hard week. Let's go ahead and get the cheesy burger, and we'll do better next week. What's missing for most emotional eaters is this inner supportive voice. I call it the voice of the inner nurturer. And that voice is ultimately the voice that helps you regulate your behaviors. That's the voice that's loving and kind and is unconditionally supportive and always tells you that, you're wonderful and great, and yes, you may have made a mistake, and but you don't have to be perfect. And that's also, also the voice that, that says in the morning when you don't want to get up and put your shoes on and go for exercise, go for the walk, that voice is nurturing and says, I get it. I know you're tired. You've been pushing a lot lately, but let's get the shoes on and go anyway. You'll feel better later. So that loving, nurturing voice is also the voice that helps you set limits and regular, regulate your behavior. So just imagine if all you have really in your head is the inner critic uh, who and, and, and the inner indulger. The inner indulger doesn't help you set any limits. And all you have is the inner critic to help you set limits. So the inner critic beats you up. So you skip the exercise and the inner critic says, see, you're never going to get the weight off that way and, you know, you're, you're lazy. You're just lazy. You've always been lazy. That's how the inner critic motivates. <clears throat> the inner nurture motivates in a much more loving, supportive, effective way by checking in with you. I in the in the book I teach you how to have these effective, nurturing, limit setting conversations where the inner nurture explores what's going on. Okay, so you don't feel like getting up today. You know, we, we didn't get up yesterday to go for the walk. We should do it today. What's going on? The youngest part of you says, I'm not in the mood. I don't feel like it. I'm tired. And then the inner nurturer who morphs into that inner limit setter says, okay, I really understand, but we skipped it yesterday. So today we really need to do it. You're not sick. You know, you're not ill. You can get up. Let's get the shoes on now and let's go. This voice, the inner nurturer, must be developed and strengthened. And the only way... You can do that is through practice. Unfortunately or fortunately, you know, there's no way we can kind of change the tapes that run in our head by just kind of somehow plugging in a new tape, right? We've got lots of kind of thinking voices going on in our head. So we have to practice, and I have a skill in the book called Catch and Reframe, where we catch the voice of the inner critic or we catch self-doubting voice, you know, the feeling self having, that's a young part of you, I call the feeling self, having self-doubts or negative thoughts about yourself. And we reframe, we bring in the inner nurture voice and we reframe, we practice that voice. We also, in the other skills I teach, we're practicing that voice. So through this seven-skill mindfulness practice that I offer, you're practicing daily using this voice. And just like if you were learning to play the guitar or the piano, you start out using the voice, just like when you start out playing the piano, you have to reach your fingers and everything feels awkward and you don't really kind of want to practice because it's not that fun. 
But if you stick with it, and this is what I did in my own journey, if you stick with it, all of a sudden that voice is there and built. It's building and it gets built, and it's there to support you. And all of a sudden you notice that you're in the market and you're about to put that um, cheesecake sampler in your cart, and the voice says, yeah, what's going on? You know, that's a lot of cheesecake there, <laughs> right? A gentle voice says, what's going on, right? And the feeling self says, oh, I want some cheesecake. And then the inner nurturer says, okay, well, I do see they have single slices, so, you know, we could buy a single slice. We we don't, we do not need to buy that sampler. And the feeling self says, yeah, but I want to taste all the different flavors. You know, I don't just, I don't know which one I would like. And the inner nurturer, inner limit setter says, I get it. It looks delicious. I'm I'm wondering what you're feeling. Well, I'm kind of tired. It's been a long day. Okay. So why don't we go home? We can take a bath. We can relax a little bit. If you'd like to get one piece, that would be fine. Please let's put the sampler back in the freezer section. So you have like this very sweet, wonderful, delicious, nurturing mommy in your head all the time that helps you making all these decisions, uh, helps you when you're making all these decisions. And that voice is built. Without that voice, we're all in trouble. So this leads to my next question. Say someone has been raised in a highly critical home. And so the predominant voice, really the only voice they, they hear on a regular basis, is a um, the critical voice. The critical voice from mom, the critical voice from dad. You can never get it right. You always do it wrong. And that's been kind of what spiraled them down into the path of being an emotional eater. So they don't even have necessarily a frame of reference of what a nurturing voice would sound like within their head. Have you had anyone come into your practice that they just said, I I don't even know what that would be like, Julie, to have a nurturing thought about myself? Not only have I had people come to my practice, but you're describing my childhood. <laughs> mm. I say to them, I am a walking, living, breathing example of that example, right? That's what I came from, mm. and I didn't, I didn't have, I had very little exposure um, to nurturing others. Um, it's not that my parents weren't well-intended; they were, and it's not that they were unkind or, you know, abusing me. Uh, but they were critical. Um, my mother was critical and negative and, and very shaming, very shaming. And that's what I was exposed to. And so I did not have any exposure to the nurturing voice. As I was growing up, as I hit my teens and my 20s, I began, I was always very curious and very interested in all of this. And I began to notice how some people's thoughts were very different than mine. Uh, and in particular, I had a friend who uh, when he couldn't get something done or he couldn't make something happen, the voices in his head were very positive, like, I'll be able to do it, I'll figure it out, I'll get there. And mine were very um, self-defeating, negative, hopeless. And I began to see that there was a difference between the kind of thoughts I recycled. If I went on a date and it didn't work out, oh, I'm terrible and ugly and no one will ever love me. And, you know, I could see that there was something going on with my thoughts that was different than some what other people's thoughts were like. And mm. that led me down a track of wanting to look at that and 
studying cognitive therapy. I know we have to go to a break. Yeah, when we get back from the break, I would really love for you to continue this story because I think this is something that many can relate to, even myself. So we'll be back in just a few moments. Please stay tuned for more of Intuitive Transformations Radio on OMTimes.com. The cutting edge of conscious radio, OM Times Radio, IOM FM. Host your show on IOM FM, the radio network of OM Times Media, one of the more recognized brand names in the conscious community, and is backed by the extensive marketing reach of OM Times. Hosting a show on IOM FM immediately connects you with our extensive, dedicated community. Hello, I'm Lisa Berry. Join me every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time for Light on Living. A chance to see new, hear different, and feel more as I shine the spotlight on all the ways to lighten the load of life's challenges. Light on Living is your link to that new way you're looking for, that new understanding that will enhance your life, and that positive connection that will support your growth. So join me and you'll gain insight and start to see things in a new way that motivates you. Hey, let me ask you something. Would you seat your three-year-old child on a windowsill? Would you seat them beside a lit fireplace or by the deep end of a pool? One last question. Would you seat your child in a car seat that's not correct for them? Car crashes are a leading killer of children ages 1 to 13. Secure their future. Seat them in the correct car seat. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. We're back with Julie Simon, author of When Food is Comfort. And Julie, before you went to, we went to the break, you were sharing something about your own childhood where you said you experienced a lot of shaming and that you noticed that other people's thoughts uh, were different than yours, um, that they had more supportive thoughts if something didn't go their way exactly. So could you just continue that thought stream, please? Yes, so I was noticing this, and I thought, at the time, I thought, wow, how do I change my thinking? How do I get their kind of thinking? Like, how would I do that? You know, I can't, like I said before, I can't, you know, like pop out a CD and pop in a new one, you know, that's kind and loving. So I began to study cognitive therapy, and uh, it made so much sense to me that I had, um, been exposed to these kind of thoughts and had been criticized and shamed quite a bit. And so that's what I was doing to myself and that I could actually, I couldn't change all the stressors that were going on in my life, you know, that I might go in a dressing room and not like the way my body looked in a mirror or that I might uh, not do well on an exam or something. I couldn't change all of the stressors in my life, but I could change my thinking about them. So, for example, if I went in a dressing room and I hated the way I looked in an outfit, I didn't have to beat myself up with a series of thoughts like, you're a loser, you look terrible, you'll never look good, you know, you'll never lose all this weight, no one will ever love you the way you look. I didn't have to do that to myself. And that was very powerful to me to find out that I could actually practice saying thoughts that were more helpful. And unlike 
you know, affirmations, which are wonderful, but affirmations at the time, I was studying those too, they weren't working. Like it wasn't working for me to say my world is beautiful and all is well because it didn't resonate for me when all didn't feel well. But what was working for me was to learn how to practice. At first I would practice a neutral thought. So if I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, I hate the way I look, my thighs look terrible, I would say something like, um, you know, I'm a lot more than my thighs. I'm not just my thighs. I'm, I might, I might remind myself of a strength. You know, I'm, I'm funny. I'm playful. I'm friendly, and I'm not just my body. Uh, I might be able to say something like, if I thought my hair wasn't looking good, I might say, well, my hair color looks nice. The cut isn't the way I want it, but I can work towards getting it that way. And I was starting to find that when I would shift thoughts, when I would reframe a critical, self-defeating, um, judgmental, shaming thought with either a neutral thought or a calming thought or an energizing thought, I started to notice that I actually felt better. And instead of leaving the dressing room and the shopping mall and going into the you know, food court and ordering Cinnabons, I was able to leave and not feel so beaten down by my own inner critic and be able to say, okay, I wasn't happy with the way clothes look today. My inner nurture would say something like, let's come another day. You know how sometimes you go into a dressing room, Julie, and nothing's fitting and it doesn't feel good. That's how today is. So let's not, let's leave today. And you know there have been other days where you go into a dressing room or a store and everything's fitting. Uh, so this is one of those days where things aren't fitting. Let's just get out of here. We'll come another day. We've got time before we need to buy something new. Um, and let's go home and do something enjoyable, right? I was beginning to develop a voice that could that was with me and on my side and pro-Julie and supportive of me. And as I was doing that, lo and behold, I wasn't turning to food so much. So what was happening? I was starting to lose some weight. I was feeling better about myself. You know, it was all win-win. You know, I love this because I think what people um, often don't want to confess to is that we all have these inner voice conversations going on in our heads constantly. So why not be the driver of those conversations and and decide what the topic of the conversation is going to be and and how it should go? And so... Uh, how difficult is it for someone to switch from, and I'm sure it's a graduation over time of, you know, moving from out of that, a gradual movement from out of that critical internal um, conversation with the inner critic to um, this more positive, nurturing, supportive um, uh, inner voice. But, um, you know, how how difficult it is is it to switch from that uh, the inner critic? I don't think it's so difficult. I think it's all about practice. It's like saying how difficult is it to play guitar or how difficult is it to learn a language. Mm. Certainly, mm. if we have a little aptitude, it helps. Um, but it really all boils down to practice, practice, practice. And I will say this, that if you have exposure to nurturing voices – that always helps. So more exposure to those people that you know that are kind and nurturing. I talk about it in my book about gravitating towards the warmth. 
um, if you have a coach or a therapist that you're working with who is a, you know, some coaches, you know, can be a little critical, especially like um, exercise coaches could be like drill sergeants. That might not be the voice that we're looking for. But you can not only increase your exposure to people who have a nurturing voice and are kind and supportive because that will help you wire it in, and then you do your practice. I, I give you seven skills in the book that will, if you practice them regularly. So, for example, I spent, and I talk about this in the book, I spent one year catching my thoughts, noticing, and sometimes I didn't know what I was thinking, so I would back myself into my thoughts because I would be in a bad mood. I'd be feeling depressed or down or hopeless, and I'd think, ugh, I must have been having some of those kind of thoughts. So I'd for one solid year, every single day, I wrote down at least a couple negative, critical, self-defeating thoughts, and I worked on writing supportive, kind, loving, caring, energizing, or calming, or neutral reframes. And it was so incredibly powerful and transformative. I never knew when I started that I was going to be able to have a different um, voice built in my head. And it began to build, and there came a point, a real turning point for me where I was laying in bed one day and I heard this voice say, I love you, Julie, and I was like, wow, where did that come from? I just said to myself that I love me. You know, it was building. The voice was building. The kindness was building. The self-compassion was building. The empathy was building. The warmth was building, and of course, and we all know this. I mean, as I built this for myself, I had it to offer to everyone else around me. So my relationships were improving. Uh, so how long will it take? How much practice are you willing to do? How long will it take you to get good at playing the piano? How often are you willing to practice? If you're willing to practice regularly, you will start to develop this voice. You know, within a short period of time, you'll start. It'll start building, and you'll hear it. Uh, the key is practice. And, you know, it really is time to do things differently. I mean, here, as I said at the beginning of the show, the weight loss industry is a $60 billion a year industry. And the statistics that you shared where 98% of the people that lose weight gain it back within five years, you said? Yes. So, so what we're doing right now is this quick fix approach. It's not working obviously. So Julie, before we, and we're going to continue the conversation, but I want to make sure people know how they can get in contact with you. And I also want you to talk a little bit about your 12-week program that you offer, not only in Los Angeles, but also online. Yes, everyone can get a hold of me on overeatingrecovery.com. That's my website. And I have a 12-week program. I developed this 12-week program over 25 years ago to help emotional eaters address the mind, body, and spirit imbalances that underlie their overeating. And my first book is based on that program, so they can also get uh, that book and uh, start there. Um, and the second book is a deeper dive. You don't have to have read the first book to dive deeper. The 12-week program is live in Los Angeles. It's also in a telecoaching format for those outside the Los Angeles area. We'll be starting back up uh, at the end of April. Uh, I'll have some the program running again at the end of April, so anybody wanting to participate can do that. And um, 
anybody who goes to my website, if you want to start reading one or both of the books right away, you can get two free chapters from either book or both books right away. You can sign up for my blog and get timely articles uh, in your uh, email box about overeating challenges and related issues. So it's a good place to start. Wonderful. Wonderful. And this is not, it's not an overnight fix, but it sounds like it's a far more permanent fix, which is really what you want. If you're going to put in the energy and the effort and, you know, invest financially, wouldn't you like it to last on a more permanent level? And from what you're sharing, Julie, it sounds like it really has an overall reach into other aspects of your life as well and your relationships and, um, you know, just feeling good about yourself. Yes, I mean, that's that's the best part is that, you know, you can continue to go on diets if your weight is a problem or, you know, eating plans if your health is a problem. But how are you really going to ever stick to any of that if the underlying issues have not been addressed? You're not going to be able to stick to it. So I always say, you know, you can be a controlled eater the rest of your life or you can be a recovered emotional eater. Uh, That's what I am. That's what I teach, where you no longer are out of balance with your relationship with your food and your body, but more importantly, you're no longer out of balance, you know, with the voices in your head. The voices in your head are kind and loving, ever kind, always loving, always supportive. That's how the voices in my head are, and it's, it's not amazing to me anymore, but it was amazing to me years ago because I never knew that I could have such a loving, kind voice in my head all the time supporting me through life every minute of the day. And and I think to myself sometimes how we all need this no matter what because one day we're going to leave our bodies. Um, One day we're all going to be old and frail. And so isn't it important? We may not have, uh, you know, our, our best friends around to comfort and soothe us, We're going to need to have something on the inside that can do that for us up to the moment we take our last breath. So it's critical that you get started building this voice today. This is so true, you know, from what my experience has been and and who, you know, the many authors I've interviewed and people I've worked with myself, that inner critic really, it... It will cripple your life if you allow it to be the dominant way of thinking about yourself and about your life. And when you can flip that switch over and start feeding your mind with these nurturing thoughts, it changes everything in your world. And maybe your circumstances may not change. I mean, in this case, definitely, it would. your eating habits will transform. But, I mean, there are times when people are eating because they feel stuck in a relationship or they feel stuck in a dead-end job or they feel like they're... Um, their finances are way out of control and that's what's driving it. But it's really the inner critic that's telling, that's beating you up about the situation that's making the situation far worse than it really is and stopping you from being able to create some action to make changes in your life. Right. It's not only the inner critic that's beating you up. It's that you have, you have, <clears throat> excuse me, you have this very young part of you 
that maybe feels afraid or feels unsure uh, or feels worried about something, <clears throat> and you don't have another part of you that you can access that can always calm and soothe you. So even if no voice is beating you up, even if you're just riddled with anxiety and fear and worry, you're still missing a voice that can calm you and comfort you and and make you feel okay all the time. So even if you have a health scare and you say, oh, my God, I'm worried that this pain could be ovarian cancer and I'll die a terrible, ugly death, that you have a voice that says, sweetie, I'm here with you. We're just going to take it one step at a time. We're going to go see the doctor. If that outcome were to come about, I will be there with you every step of the way. We'll get through it. You know, we're going to leave our body one day, one way or another, hopefully not that way, but I will be I will be closer than your breath walking you through every step of this. Mm-hmm. We need to have a voice inside that is there with us through thick and thin. I so agree. I mean, what a beautiful um uh way to put that because you're really breaking the habit of self-abandonment too exactly um, that's exactly what i wanted to get at you're breaking the habit of self-abandonment so it's not mm -hmm. so much just someone's criticizing you but that you're afraid that you're you're having it helps you stop having so much fear while you're in a body yeah yeah that's that's powerful very very powerful so i know we only have a few minutes left before the end of the show this has gone far too fast for me because i'm really enjoying this julie but i'm just wondering for those who are listening and maybe they don't believe they're emotional eaters but they have someone in their family who is or someone close to them who they love and care about what is the one thing that they can say that might be supportive and and also what's something that maybe they should not say that's a good question. I think one thing that they should not do, I don't like the shoulds, but one thing I would not want them to do is to um, make light of it, you know, is to say, oh, you're not really an emotional eater or, you know, especially if they don't have a weight problem. Oftentimes people without weight problems, um, people don't think they have any problem with food. <clears throat> I would say don't um, don't just don't disagree with the person or don't discount, that's the word I wanted, don't discount what the person is saying, but rather explore, find out how it is for them, where are they at with it, and offer them hope that there is recovery. Mm. I'm sorry, we don't have time to finish the rest of the answer to the question, but Julie Simon, thank you so much for being on the show. You've been wonderful. Everyone, um, visit her website, overeatingrecovery.com, and pick up her book, When Food is Comfort, Nurture Yourself Mindfully, Rewire Your Brain, and End Emotional Eating. We'll be back again next week. Thank you for listening. Take care and know that you are loved, lovable, and loving. Goodbye for now. 